We're live at the Tilt Factory. I'm your host, Thomas Tipple. Uh, I was going to do the whole regular intro that we have been doing with the fun facts and all of that. We're throwing that right out the window because I just sent co-host Buckley uh, over the moon by drafting Pop Douglas right before we went live. That wasn't even the pick I was trying to troll him on, but I'm going to get a twofer on that. Of course, we are talking about the Fantasy Points subscriber versus creator league that is drafting right now with myself, Tom Lee, and of course, Buck. Guys, I love this draft, and I really want to talk about roster cloggers, but I really feel like this draft is going to take up the vast majority of the show. But I want to get some stuff out of the way early. Of course, uh, Dynasty Points was back on Tuesday night. You can watch that live stream podcast is up now. Market Report, uh, we're recording this on the Thursday, the 29th. The podcast will go up on the 1st. So shout out to everyone getting as much Dynasty content as they can. We have Noah Hills. Uh, joining us on Dynasty Points, we'll have Brett Whitefield and Scott Barrett joining us on Dynasty Points in the next couple of weeks. So the um, the guest list is starting to roll through. Of course, you were you missed the early bird special if you hadn't subscribed already. You you should be doing that. So head to the YouTube channel, hit subscribe, stay up to date on everything uh, regarding giveaways and things like that. Uh, I'm about to make a pick that I think is actually kind of funny because this is who I was going to take in this round anyway. But then Tom Lee let uh, let me get this, so we're just gonna. I'm just I'm just gonna click the button, um, <laughs> because I like this pick here in terms of uh, possible upside. So welcome to the team, Sam Howell. Um, look, fourteen eleven. Fourteen eleven. All I need is him to get traded, and that value goes up. I like that. Uh, very very much so. Was looking forward to doing that, but okay, that pick was out of the way. Onto the podcast. Here we go, boys. We're not really going to do any news today. Uh, I really want to focus our time on doing something for the listeners that we tried to do a couple of weeks ago with Ryan Heath, but the audio really failed us. It's something everyone has really been after. So, Tom Lee, why don't you kick us off with? Oh, actually, we're going to start with the draft. I didn't even I didn't look that. I automatically assumed we were discussing roster cloggers. So, Tom Lee, yeah, I I think we should flip it. Let's flip it. Yeah, let's start. Let's talk roster cloggers. So hard yakker, it was going to be process driven chat about what are roster cloggers, why are they important and what do we do with them? You guys asked about the content and um, we thought it was important to cover off on. So the main question I pitched to you boys is what, what is a roster clogger and why does it matter in dynasty to know who they are and know what to do with them? I think a roster clogger is a player that you don't want to cut but could hurt you. That doesn't really bring any value, but it's a player maybe you don't see a lot on all, all the time on the waiver wire, like similar to like a yep. Curtis Samuel. He's not on the waiver a lot, and player you maybe don't want to get, you know, don't want to cut because the uh, roster is so long, but it could hurt you in the long run from like adding a Puka type player or any type of rookie that can get steam in camp or any undrafted, uh, you know, undrafted rookie draft players. So I think those are the type of players that are roster cloggers to me, not necessarily players like, that have flex appeal, like a Mike Williams. And he's not necessarily a roster clogger to me because I wouldn't cut him. So it's a player that I would think about cutting, end up not cutting and hurt me in the long run. Yeah, so roster clogger to me is somebody that I just don't think has the possibility of accruing any value. So he's just literally sitting on your roster in hopes that maybe sort of one day you'll get to use them. And even if you use them, they may not do that much. I'm talking like DJ Chark at this point, Khalif Raymond at this point, very much roster cloggers, Mike Williams at this point. 
another major injury likely cut candidate uh, over yeah. over the over the the big hill for big body contested catch type wide receivers. So those are definitely the type of players I agree. You may not necessarily want to cut them. You may not even want to trade them, but or uh, you may not want to cut them, but you definitely want to trade them. Is what I should say, yeah. and just not have them on your roster anymore. Yeah. So if I were to give yeah. an example, like one guy already, he's taken care of. That's that's Alexander Madison, right? You didn't <laughs> want him. Samaje Pirine is another guy. Like he's not going to gain any value. He's hardly useful at this point. Sky Moore, you can just cut him, right? Like shout out Sky Moore, pour it out. I'll I'll eat that L all day. Traylon, Traylon Burks, another guy. Um, Isaiah Spiller, I saw Tom Liu had him. I really liked that one. Uh, a Conquo, another guy, AJ Dillon, Khalil Herbert. I'm not team uh, Herbert. I had not. him listed already. Uh, yeah, like, <laughs> see ya. Like, again, not necessarily saying you want to cut these guys, but if I can dump Khalil Herbert off of my roster, I would. Just the possibility of his value going up is so slim to none. I mean, Elijah Moore is another one. I believe he's truly a roster clogger. I think he's just bad at this point. So. I bought Khalil Herbert recently. So. Sorry to hear that. You bought a clogger. You bought a <laughs> Twitter favorite. You you bit a, you bought a Twitter favorite. And so I kind of look at this what like anyone drafted late in a draft in a startup draft. Like I'm not ever gonna draft Mike Williams. I'm not ever gonna draft Traylon Burks, Elijah. Well, these are like face planters and veterans that need a lot of things to go right that aren't Wait. sophomore. Players, yeah, players I'm, we saw I'm already. Out. Yeah, we know what they are already. I, I want sophomore and third year, right? Sophomore and third year, I can really buy in, unless they're like a third year, like Khalil Herbert, whose upside is completely limited in a, a three-headed rotational running back. It, it's bad. I don't even want Roshan to be honest with you, but it's players that'll have likely no significant impact on your team. You can't really do anything with. Chances are they're not going to sniff your lineup. They're not, unless it's catastrophic that they, that like Bateman's getting there. I know he's getting like a lot of camp buzz. Don't want him on my roster. Happy to miss out on that. Right. These are just guys. Their value is stumped. Their production is stumped. And you may not necessarily want to cut them, but you should want them off of your roster. I think we could throw, I think like, starting to be one of the biggest ones like Cortland Sutton, like where he, like where he kind of goes in that draft. Like I'd rather just have players that I don't know yet, like pop Douglas, Wando Robinson, those type of players. Like I don't know about them fully yet. So I just rather have those guys over them. So like I would trade Cortland Sutton for pretty much any of those like year two, year three receivers. Like I would definitely rather have Wando and pop Douglas over Sutton. Yeah. yeah I think to agree. me, like a roster clogger is not necessarily a guy. Cause like, that's a great example, but, those are guys you could trade if you find the narrative. I think for me, the roster cloggers are the guys that you're holding out hope for that you know, quote unquote, should be rostered, but why do you mm. want them? So I think it sort of started with redraft with this idea of roster spots are important. We have depth here, so therefore we add everyone who should be rostered and they take up these spots. The Puka example is the key one in the offseason. If you don't have enough spots, we talked about this process-wise really early on uh, in the renewal of this show, was... If you are unable to add guys who have hotness and put them on your taxi squad at the very least, then they're a roster clogger. They're in the way. So guys in season who do possibly add value on a week-to-week basis, Mm -hmm. depending on injury, in the offseason become roster cloggers for me. So it's more of a seasonal thing rather than a philosophical thing. Um, Guys like Alan Lazard, Darius Slayton, 
you know, flex on any given week based on these injuries in the offseason are completely useless to you. You can't trade them because regardless of situation, they're going to be fourth or fifth on that roster. Um, so even a slight increase is not going to get you any saleable value, but they're in the way of picking up a Puka who is nothing to the world. You know, we're talking a top two starting round pick now. Um, so that to me during offseason is really what's most important as far as roster cloggers go. Um, but these guys make good points. We have attachments to these guys because of names or, or hopes. They end up being there for years and they're taking up spots that you could easily use for other things. So really, definitionally, it doesn't matter what it is to you. It's more what it stands for. Is it blocking you from doing something with your team you should do? If so, you should look at what you need to do with that player because they don't belong there. I would even argue that in season two. Like, I'm sorry, but I want a rookie. I will take a rookie who has a long shot at being anything. And you used the Puka example. I'll continue. There was... A couple of teams where I had Puka, couldn't put him on the taxi squad because I wanted to put like my legitimates there, not not some iffy guys. That And he was iffy at the start of the year. And Absolutely. I'm 100% dropping these guys that are good for on a week to week. The Alan Liz- I would have... I draw I, no chance Alan Lazard is ever stopping me from keeping a yeah. rookie that I picked off, picked up after a draft or in the late round of a draft. Like the Alan Lazard type is one of the first players I'm looking to get rid of and replace with any rookie or any backup quarterback. Like, yeah point what we're expecting sam howell to be uh some of these other guys like they were the same type of guys that i was cutting to make sure i could have baker mayfield on my roster right uh last year and other times before that so yeah they're just the players that really don't like brandon cooks he could get yeah Yeah. get get ready to learn clogger dude we love you we appreciate you for your for your service but you're out of here. See you later. Josh Palmer. I used them a couple of weeks last year. See ya. Yeah, it's not to say they can't be valued, but they are just Jay holding Jones, a spot. Darnell Mooney. I mean, Michael Thomas is getting there at this point. Noah Brown. KJ. People holding on to KJ Osborne because they're like, nah, man, he could he could yeah. really he could really pick it. Get the f- get out of here. Alec Pierce. Alec yep. Pierce. I really, really liked Alec Pierce coming into this year, and then it went down the drain because uh, Downs decided, yeah, I'm going to be a deep threat too. <laughs> but you can see this writing on the wall. How many years did DJ Chark get held on to? Because yeah. people were like, don't worry, he's coming back. Third year, he broke it. He broke out in year two. He's going to get back to that. He never came close to getting back to that. Whether it was injuries, people were like, oh well, situation sucked, and then oh, and then the injuries came in. Yeah, but we can't hold on. If you have to, and I, I do look at it this way a lot and i'm not a very narrative driven fantasy player i try very hard to avoid narrative street but if you have to create a scenario like you're writing out the next marvel cinematic universe in order for your player to be relevant i'm 23 movies time (laughs) right i'm out so you can enjoy that and i'll just pick up any rookie or sophomore running back that i think has a chance to gain value in the end i would just i really and scott barrett was on dynasty points uh i want to say months ago in season discussing with jacob about why he prefers having wide receivers on his bench than running backs and it allowed him to open his roster up to players like puka and some other kind of like wicks and some other kind of breakout ish type players where yeah. we're sitting here holding Khalil Herbert and and Roshan and Spiller. I mean, yeah. yeah, Spiller hoping that they get an opportunity at running back. And at the end of the day, dynasty wise, it turns out better if you if you don't hold on to these guys trying to create. You can't create the situation that makes them relevant. Yeah, you have to take the best odds you can, and generally speaking, that sophomore rookies and sometimes the third year guys. So roster clogger has many definitions. 
But with considering all three of us gave you a completely different definition, the end game is still the same. Same approach. And the, yeah. yeah. And the end game was right. If we're ever to sum it up, it's they're not really going to accrue value. And even when they get into your lineup, they're not making a difference. Get them off your roster one way or the other, however you're comfortable doing it, and pick up some of these ambiguous rookie sophomores, even some veteran. Like you could have picked up Pop Douglas in the year for, for cheap all yeah. year. He's still too cheap. I just, like I said, I just drafted him the second before I clicked record at 14.9. So he's still cheap. So yeah, take that, Andy. I get him. But <laughs> two seconds, bro. Uh, but so that that's kind of how we look at roster cloggers. Now, I do want to point out that quarterbacks, right? They can still be roster cloggers, even yeah. though it's super like we're talking about this in the terms of a super flex. Roster cloggers still exist at quarterback. Kenny Pickett is a roster clog. Like, oh, he could be a starter. Don't care. if he. There's no security in quarterbacks, in my opinion. Deshaun Watson was a real safe quarterback pick after his like third or fourth year. Now he's going as a fifth-round pick. Trevor Lawrence can't miss prospect. First-round startup pick for a couple years. Now he's going in the mid-two. Kyler Murray, locked and loaded, top four fantasy pick. It's now going in the mid two after going in the third. And yes, it's injury and situations, but that just means that safety is not guaranteed. Lamar Jackson was real close to falling out of the first round last year, right? There's a couple of guys that can avoid it. Mahomes, Allen, Hurts, Stroud now is pretty locked in. Burrow has even seen a dip into one six. Herbert, who's had the best start that I've ever seen a QB have for three years, he's fallen a little bit back to one seven. Now people are talking about, you know, should you be selling Justin Herbert? And there's no really such thing as a safe quarterback outside of the top three to four guys. So yes, quarterbacks can still be roster cloggers guys that may not gain a whole ton of value at this point. You can't cut them, but you don't want them. They're still holding you back. So Jacoby Brissett, things like that. They're fun to have in season, but out of season, get them out. So roster cloggers, there you go. In a way, like you got a, a good audio version. Hopefully this uh, solves some of the questions that we get asked a lot for roster cloggers. Obviously, if you still have questions, tag us hashtag dynasty points in the discord on the amateur porn site x.com where you can find uh, Tom Lee at Tom underscore uh, L I E nine two. And you can find uh, Andy Buckler at Andy underscore Buckler. All right, finish the intros. Got through roster clogging. We're going to take a quick second, and when we come back, we're going to break down this draft. And for people not listening to this or not not involved in this draft, I promise you, it's not just going to be a look how good my pick was situation. (laughs) Some of what is about to said is going to hurt. Some of what is about to be said is going to hurt us. Hell, there might be a a mid-show breakdown argument forever. (laughs) The next time Andy calls one of my running backs fat and undeserving, uh, we might throw hands. I don't know. But we one could lose thing the is certain, today, is what I'm hearing. <laughs> Tom Lee's draft has once again sent me over the edge. We'll come back and find out in five seconds. One thing that I've wanted to do all offseason is bring a little more transparency from the analysts to the subscribers over at Fantasy Points. And the best way I can think about doing that, I set up a bunch of listener and subscriber leagues. And after. You know, we got asked quite a bit, well, why aren't you guys in this one? Why aren't you guys in this one? I finally rallied a team of four of us. It is myself. It is the aforementioned Tom Lee and and Andy. And then we have Ryan Heath in this draft as well versus eight subscribers. 
So we decided that we would look at the draft that we were in and discuss things that we felt were out of pocket, picks that blew us away, some some things on the board that surprised us, some things that didn't. And of course, at the end of this, we will obviously have to discuss who has the best start because we have to do that. We have a 10 round kind of breakdown. It's going to, we're not going to, it's not going to be a draw. Trust me. I know when you hear a 10 round breakdown, you're like, Oh my God, they're going to go over every pick. It's just going to be terrible. It's not like that. Okay. So sit tight. Uh, it's fantasy. It's fun. It's not personal. So let's, I'm just going to get that out of the get gate. <laughs> I'm going to get that straight out of the gate. So let's Tom Lee, let's introduce him for what we're going to be doing. So our listener league, uh, it meant to be lighthearted chat, but I get the feeling based on some of the opinions, it may not be that lighthearted. Uh, so none of you take this to heart. The wrap so far. So round one was probably, it was fairly chalk to start. Round one, if you look at the Dynasty Lab uh, and the average draft position so far this offseason, there's a lot of quarterback action. Uh, and we had very much the same thing. Eight quarterbacks went off the board, seven in a row to start, uh, and the 101 as well. So what stood out to you guys in that first round? Any values? Any um, any craziness? What are we thinking? Justin Jefferson at 1-9 is truly insane. I would take Justin Jefferson over Joe Burrow. I would definitely take him over Anthony Richardson. So getting like the people that selected because we did a derby draft so we got the pick where we draft unless you were the last person who obviously didn't get a choice you just got what was left because hashtag bad luck sucks to be you but if you ended up with one nine one eleven and one twelve in this draft i'm in love with the start of the the one twelve drafter um i wish i knew what your discord handle is but i can i can mention it by sleeper handle uh whoever kyle drogo is I mean, aside from being one of the greatest rulers the Seven <laughs> Kingdoms never got to bear witness to, he he started this draft, just absolutely crushed it. And that was because wide receivers got pushed down the board. If there was a year to draft an elite wide receiver in round one, to me, it's this year. Because there is a tear break, in my opinion, for Dynasty after the top four to five. Yeah. Right? Jefferson Chase, Lamb, St. Brown, Puka, and Wilson, to me, teardrop for Dynasty. So this was the year to do it. And I was not expecting Jefferson at 1-9. I did not expect Anthony Richardson to go over. I definitely, obviously, expected one of the three wide receivers that I would have been happy with. But pretty pretty contrarian or uh, start to this, in my opinion. I, I've never seen eight quarterbacks in a row go. Right. There's always a player that slides in there, whether it's Chase or Jefferson. There's been years where it was like Jonathan Taylor or Bijan for whatever reason. Um, but there's always just been another player. And then, of course, the 101 going at 110, that's kind of on par with ADP. I think it's fine. Yeah. But we'll get into we'll get into that build. A1. We're going we're gonna to talk about it. But that's probably what stood out to me the most. Yeah. So, Andy, so you're picking at 17. So, process-wise, like Tom said... You have all of these wide receivers available. You go with Justin Herbert at 1-7. What was the thought process for your particular build at that point? I thought he was the last quarterback, like the last of the elite quarterbacks. Um, and I, I was thinking about Justin Jefferson, like that was the other player. But I decided yeah. to take the quarterback in the just with just with how the beginning of the draft started, right? All straight quarterbacks. So I just figured I would get me the quarterback, not have to worry about it. Planning on going zero quarterback, yeah. just uh, yeah. just didn't kind of really uh, work out like that. I think um, then when I saw Richardson go off at eight, I felt even better about the Herbert pick. Yeah. And I think that was like oh, just a forced QB pick right there because he maybe got tilted a little. He said in the chat that Herbert was the player he wanted. So yeah, yeah. just like 
wanted the security of that and just wanted I think like I said, I think it's the last, like he's the last the elite. And then no quarterback after Richardson, no quarterback goes off until the two five. So yeah. yeah, but that's what we talked about before, where I think that there's just a clear weird jumble of quarterbacks in that third to, to early fourth. Uh, kind of around there. We talked about that at a uh, show previously. So that's kind of what stood out to me to the first round. I mean, again, I mean, you were the first one to make trades. You made the most trades in this startup, Tom Lee, which always really drives me nuts. You <laughs> passed on Jamar Chase. Yeah. You couldn't get a hold of a future. We talked about this off air a little bit. You couldn't get a future pick while in trading down, but I think you still made out above average for this situation, considering I know how you set up your drafts, which mm. always trigger me um, because every time I'm like, man, so many mid players, but you always finish three. This is why if you listen to dynasty points, I always said that Tom Lee is the best dynasty player I've ever played with. Cause somehow he always puts these teams together and they always melt faces. It's really annoying. But yeah, you- it was quite it was quite tilting to decide between taking the elite player. We talked pre-show, and, and Andy was saying he'd always take the elite over trading down unless there was futures guaranteed, just because of the way it, it works out. And it was definitely a consideration, definitely something I pushed for. But um, based on what I saw with the QB run and the vibe you're getting in the chat, you're sort of reading. We were talked about how startups work and, and your leagues. You're you're reading how the other players in the draft. Uh, looking to set their teams up and the language yeah. they're using and their keenness to trade. So I always like to look to trade early just to get a vibe of what everyone's doing, open up those chats. And I think I had six chats going about trades and, and what was possible. Someone definitely wanted to come up and take Chase. And for me, adding value to the roster at that point, I'm okay with. I didn't want Lamb and St. Brown to go in the next two picks because I still yes. would have loved to one of those two. Um, but Bijan at the 202 is the compromise. And as an Atlanta fan, I'm happy to get one share uh, on a roster somewhere. Yeah, obviously you don't expect that to, to happen. It's a double tap, but I mean, it was just such a perfect spot. Yeah, <laughs> Best start, in my opinion, for three rounds, Lamb, St. Brown, and Nakua. That is the best start, in my opinion. Heavy. And then, you know, I feel like it kind of went off the rails a little bit, but uh, we can we can get into that, like I said. Not really his fault, just the way the draft went. I mean, we had one, two, three, four quarterbacks go in the third round. More yeah. quarterbacks went in the third round than the, than the second round. So the position player pool really fell. Now, let's get into this second second round here. Yeah. So four what I'll do, RBs what I'll do, go. Yeah, what three I'll do RBs. with the second oh, round is I'll read, I'll read through the picks, and I think we'll break it down from there because I think this is where a lot of people's drafts start to become defined. Um, yes. There wasn't as much movement as I thought there'd be because if elite value falls, people push hard for those guys. So in the second round, we have Amon Ra St. Brown, Bijan Robinson, the 102, Brees Hall, Trevor Lawrence, Jameer Gibbs, Kyler Murray, Christian McCaffrey, Garrett Wilson, AJ Brown, Tyreek Hill, and then Chris Olave at the 212. Right. The Chris Olave pick. Brew, you and I have talked about it. <laughs> uh, that's my least favorite pick in the first probably four rounds. And it's a complete personal preference. I would yep. have taken Puka ahead of him. Right. Uh, I, I mean, him and Ayuk are, are fairly similar. I would take DJ more in terms of Chris Olave and, and what I think they can produce. But that's besides the point. It's my least favorite pick here. But one thing I definitely noticed is the running backs. I mean, yeah. it has been a resurgence of running backs in this draft. Four in the second round, one in the third, one in the four. 
two in the five, one in the six, two in the six, and then just an insane run. One, two, three, four, five, six running backs in the seven. So the four running backs in the top. Now, I have been on record to say that I think Christian McCaffrey is not a good startup pick at his spot. Yeah. Simply because, well, if we look at Nori, your team here, uh, you, you've kind of backed yourself into a going for it. I think that was probably your plan heading into this whole thing, judging by chat lingo and everything else. Anyone that takes McCaffrey in that second round, you are kind of pigeonholing yourself into, I need to win this year. Yeah. At worst, I need to win next year. This lineup, this team won't survive a brutal injury to McCaffrey. It sinks the ship here. Now, granted, with other running backs, Brees Hall, Bijan Gibbs, if something horrendous happens to their knees, your season is definitely still screwed. Yeah. But value has an opportunity to come back. Now, Brees Hall an insulation. already had yeah. one. He's already had one injury. He came back and was top five with like without a carry inside the five because he's just goaded and he's that good. <laughs> he's unreal. Hashtag buy the dip when there was one. No, the dip's there not is real. No dip. There is no dip. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I found the four running backs to be surprising. No surprises by the quarterbacks. I mean, the two quarterbacks that should have gone did go. The receivers all pretty pretty on par except except for Alave. I mean, even I think Alave just looks worse because it's a second round and we know what yeah. his ADP is. Like if you swap Alave and Nakua, even though it's only one pick. Yeah. Eh, visually, you know, like yeah. it's yeah, it's it's eh, like you don't think about it as much. So that's definitely a call. His peripherals are very nice, but no yeah. tight ends in a tight end premium, which I thought was interesting. I did take the first tight end. We'll talk about that later. Nothing really stood out to me. The 102 goes exactly where you think it was going to go. So yeah. the second round, you're right, where you kind of start to see the shape of teams. But I think the the fourth round set the tone more yeah. than the second round. The third round, I thought, was very interesting. So let's talk about the third round. Yeah, so I think the third round is where things start start to turn into what the fourth round became. So off the board, Pukunakua, which again, we said we think is a value. Uh, Dak Prescott. So we start to get to that next level of quarterback. That's uh, such a value pick too. It's, yeah, it's a value. It's a good value. Uh, the 103, then you take Sam Laporte at the one at the 304. Yeah. Uh, remembering that all these drafts and startups are third round reversal, hence why everyone's orders have flipped here. Uh, the 104 goes next. Superflex Titan Premium. Uh, Jordan Love to Buck at the 306. Uh, Brennan Ayuk at the 3-7, Fields, Purdy, and then the 105, Jonathan Taylor, and then Trey McBride rounds out the third round. Yeah, I'm surprised the tight ends are kind of an afterthought this year. Yeah. You, in other years, you're getting – maybe it's the Kyle Pitts, like, brain rot. Yeah. That, that makes it that way. People got so burned by it. But Sam Laporta, tight end one for me, being there at the 3-4 – I didn't want the 104 in that case. I was looking to get you. You took Bijan, which I wasn't expecting. I also was expecting uh, you to get one of those wide receivers. Yeah. I was fully expecting either Lamb or St. Brown to fall into your lap at 2 2. I was like, great. I can take Bijan yeah. and maybe I can get my wide receiver one, my RB one, and my tidy one. Tidy? Tight end tidy one. Dynasty. Jesus. <laughs> hey, I've got those locked and loaded, baby. I'm over 30. I'm over 35. So the tidy whiteys are locked. Everything's tight and white, yeah. Yeah, it is. It is, you know, necessary when you hit this age to keep everything tight and compact. And so we go to we go to the tidy whiteys, but the tight end one. 
So I came close. I got my RB2, my right receiver one. And then the, I had a hard time with this Laporta decision because everyone that listens to this knows that I am Team McBride. I was up till midnight last night going back and forth over why I don't think Trey McBride will be a low end tight end one to tight end two like Dallas Goddard next year with, with yeah. uh, a Discord member. So shout out to you. I loved that discussion. That was awesome. But I looked at the players after that. I knew in this build that I was going to go with a, a mid to late quarterback decision. That was my plan from the jump. So I didn't want to take love. I didn't want to take Fields or Purdy, regardless of how I feel about them. This was my design build. And I do have Laporta ranked over the position players that went. So I got hemmed in on that. I, I find the four quarterbacks taken in this third round interesting. Yeah. But I understand it. But only. Uh, only two people ended up having two quarterbacks after 14 quarterbacks went, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, so it's very interesting. Yeah. Buck, yeah. what stood out to you? Third round. Yeah, I think it's just the – I think the quarterbacks dropped a little bit. Like, I think Jordan Love should probably be a second-round startup pick. I think he should be closer to Kyler up there. So I just felt like he was the best player on the board by far, like the most valuable player. And that's kind of what I want to do in, in drafts. Like – I want the player that's worth the most. If, if I can't, like, Trey McBride, I probably can't just trade Trey McBride straight up to get Jordan Love, and I don't like yeah. drafting players that I can't. Like, I just don't like drafting players like that because I feel like you're just, like, doing yourself a disservice when you draft players over players that are worth less, if that uh, makes sense. So yeah, I think you're that's not building up positions in the third round. You're looking yeah. for what is there. Yeah. Exactly, because it's just, you know, it's February. Where we don't need to worry about <laughs> starting spots and everything right now. So we yeah. want the most value on the team and players that can incur value. Like, I think there's a world where Jordan Love is a first-round startup pick in the next two years. You know, if he keeps up what he did this year. I mean, he's 25, and he was basically a rookie, and he looked very, very good, better than you know I ever thought he would be. I think better than most people thought. But then that's what kind of uh, stands out to me. I would say uh, for the most part, and obviously Puka, like he should be uh, in a mid a mid second round pick too. So yeah, I think the last thing in the third round and what really changed things. We talked about this last week was the start of that wide receiver tier. Um, yeah, and Brandon and I, you at the three seven with no rush on wide receivers to come, sort of suggested that that was possibly too early. Um, yeah, it, it's hard to tell when you're in it. Like if you're Colty Coco who is picking at the three seven, I understand you want to try and get your guy. Um, that feels yeah. that feels like to me there's an expectation that Ayuk won't be on the 49ers because I don't I don't see where Ayuk ends up going that high without that expectation with some of the other guys on the board. Yeah, I think I think that just kind of speaks to the drop wide, off. Re- wide receiver nine. Yeah, yeah, that's expensive. I, I think you need to take a quarterback there. Like I just I don't because you're not you can't probably trade Ayuk for any of the uh, for Fields or Purdy or any of them guys, so I think that's just where like you kind of pigeon yourself into just a forcing a wide receiver pick and it just gets so ugly there, where you're just picking and it, we talked about it last week but he made the decision first like he had to be the first one to start that tier and that's where yeah. I think it really really hurts if you just wait it you know in the fourth round he got. Nico Collins, which, I mean, we can argue that Nico Collins is over Ayuk and it's a whole round cheaper. Yeah. So I think you just go a different position there. Don't force yourself into wide receiver. Maybe he did try to trade back, but I think you just uh, you move off of there. I don't know what – I think it's the one – is that the 1-5 you could have took? I think that's probably just the better pick. Yeah, the 1-5, right. yeah. Yeah, I agree. So, I again, I think if you're just looking at pure upside or not, Ayuk, very good player, but you're right. I think the quarterback – I think the quarterback was it. And we talked about this – with the trade, uh, 
I wouldn't even have traded out of the second round if I were Colty. And yeah. this is just, and, and I'll explain this. You traded back and you ended up netting Trey McBride. And I believe there was a future pick in there. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, there was no, there was, there was no future. Javante. Okay. Are they like right. rookie picks? So, yeah. So I would have just taken Kyler Murray in the second round if I were Colty and you by looking at the board and this is always hindsight, but Trey McBride would have fell to you in the third. And then you still had an opportunity to take Nico Collins, Devonta Smith or Michael Pittman. And who knows IU could have still have been there. So there would have been another wide receiver with the same range of outcomes just waiting for you. And you wouldn't yeah. have passed up on a top tier tight end and then another top tier quarterback as well. So that's one of those situations where trading down can really limit your structure. But again, that's, a hindsight dealing to me, but you're right. It does feel like a pigeonhole pick when there was no real run on receiver. He really had the pick of his litter from the back end of the wide receiver one territory. Like I have Pittman or Ayuk uh, at wide receiver 12 in Dynasty. Yeah. And I do have DJ Moore one spot ahead. And I think I have Waddle ahead as well. So that's just a, from my ranking standpoint, you, I think you could have waited a little bit. And I, I think it's where like my, so my strategy of trading down. Like the the approach is you trade down and you take the value that you perceive rather than position. You're not if you're not trading out hoping for someone, um, assuming that someone slides. You have to take the value. And for me, Ayuk is not that process. You're looking at a, a someone who is worth more to your team overall, even if you need to trade them afterwards, um, because you're trying to acquire more value to your team. It's more work in the end. You do have to trade more after after the draft finishes. Um, but from a process point of view, if you're going to trade out of those elite guys, you need to be accumulating value to your roster in the hope of building something special based off volume. Um, so it was just an interesting, it's a difference of approach and we're going to see where it went. Uh, the one of five also goes off the board there. So then we head into the fourth. So off the, off the board in the fourth, Kincaid, DJ Moore, the one of six, Waddle, Williams, Nico Collins goes, Devontae Smith goes, Pittman, Tua Tungabaloa, Drake London, DK Metcalf, and then the one of seven rounds out the fourth round. Andy, this is where the draft got difficult, I think, for a lot of people. Um, talk us through your approach at the 4-7, taking Devontae Smith, and use that to sort of frame what the value around uh, said to you about the fourth round. Yeah, I think uh, I think that's where I know I needed to get a receiver because I didn't have receivers for three rounds. So I was kind of like, in my mind, I was taking a receiver. I liked majority of all of them. I think there was a tear break though after DJ Moore, Waddle and Nico Collins. I think that's like a peer like a straight tear break. And I ended up with the tear break. So I ended up with they all went. And I ended up with Devontae Smith, which I still think, you know, he's a back like a back end dynasty wide receiver one. And the thing about it is like after him, all those players to me are very similar. Michael Pittman, London, DK, T. Higgins. You could like insert any of them and I don't really think it's a difference. So yeah. I think that's where that's I think that's where it really hurt because it's just super flat and I just miss where I believe isn't the flat tier. I believe like Nico and Waddle are a whole step ahead. So I think those are those are good picks. I would say the pick that probably stands out to me the most in the round is I think four one Kincaid is like I don't really like that pick. I don't think it's a great pick. I'm not sure the ADP, but uh I just don't I just don't I just don't like that pick. Early the beginning of the fourth round pick for a tight end of who didn't really show a lot as a rookie. I think he's probably a good player, but I think he kind of falls more in the mold of he's like a target player. He needs targets, kind of like a Zach Ertz. You know, Zach Ertz was uh, really good with Philly. And I yeah. don't like investing in players like that 
because when the volume goes away, you know, if that's the number one thing you can say about a player, the volume usually finds their way out of those type of players. So I think it's yeah. really, I think it's really rich for him considering where, you know, all the other tight ends went in the draft, you know, it's two rounds before uh, Kyle Pitts and, and TJ Hawkinson. So I'd say that's like my, that was six out to me in the round. And that's probably my thought process on uh, taking Devontae Smith. Yeah. Kincaid at the four one almost feels like you were hoping for McBride. And as soon as he went, you went for structure for your team. Cause Brew Misa, who is the one who drafted the four one, went Allen, Murray, Alave. It seems like you want that that pillar tight end, but we know that production wise, there's more value to come. It just feels like you missed out on the guy you want, and you're not quite sure what to do with the pick on the block. This is a situation for me that if you're not keen, you trade back from, because you're going to require something. Yeah. This is still a really tasty pick for a lot of people, and it's the start of a really weird round where people are starting to try and fill holes in their team. Tom, we'll get to your hole in a second. Um, hey, and yeah, yo. It's, it's just from a yeah, I know, yeah. Uh, it's for, and from a value point of view, it's just a really interesting round. It's a good one for me to trade out of. So if you're in a startup, um, yeah, I heard it. Don't worry. Uh, yeah, if you're in a startup and you're not sure what to do on the fourth, this is where you trade back for value because it just seems so like then, a thick tier from here. So then can I just can I just ask then, what if, so in this situation, obviously we're all just trying to trade out. So what if the, if you're somebody that's like, man, I really don't want to make this pick. Yeah. How do you avoid the feeling of just trading out to want to trade out? Because that's a very real thing, yeah. right? That's what I feel. I just described that with what I believe Coco's, second round trade out was was a trade out yep. just to trade out to get whatever I could and in my opinion it kind of backfires it's obviously uh in my opinion less likely it backfires on like a fourth to a fifth and a second but if you know you're not going to get you know a future pick because everyone in this draft was very much holding on very tightly to their future picks we shout out to all of you you should absolutely be doing that I love all Good of process. you for that yep. it's a very <laughs> great job but Say Buck tries to trade out and he doesn't net what's deemed as an acceptable return. How do you not just take that pick or do you bite the bullet? Cause you're somebody that takes minimal trade backs. I mean, just to trade back, how do you end up okay with that? And at what point does your value stop where you just make the pick anyway? Cause we can always say I would just trade out. Yeah. But very real possibility of the trade outs just not available to you. Not an option. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I think, I, I think that's how you get to, like you said, I think that's how you get to forcing picks. And I just think you got to just like maybe look at ADP a little more and try to see if, unless you really wanted, unless you really wanted Kincaid, like you went into the draft thinking you were getting, which is a bad process. I'm going to be honest. Don't do that. Like don't go into draft saying you want this player, want to draft this way, going to draft a quarterback and then not draft another one till the eighth round. Don't do that. It's just really bad. It's how you end up with, bypassing that's how you end up with tom's team because that's what tom went into this draft doing (laughs) we'll we'll get to you in a second (laughs) and i like my team so suck it yeah i think going in with like a general idea is good right you you go in and say you want to you want to go hero quarterback you want to go hero rb you want to punt rb i think those things are good but you kind of go in and say i want to draft two quarterbacks in the first four or i want to get kincaid on my team no matter the cost i think that's where you kind of mess up and you just end up just taking away ahead of ADP. And for me, at the 4-1, like, you just need to take a receiver there because Waddle – I think Waddle's much more valuable than Kincaid. I even th- – this isn't a heavy tight end premium. It was 0.5. So it's not like a heavy – it's not like a, a whole one point. I think you take the quarterback – or the, the wide receiver and you try to get Kincaid later. Or, like, I, I just think – 
you have to look at ADP, maybe be more, a little more cognizant of what the ADP is and where he is. Cause you don't want to like, we want to respect ADP. Cause I know like we think we're the smartest people in the room, but it is a very good tool it is real. It's right. A lot of times we want to respect it. So when you're looking at play, it's not, it's not to say don't draft a player five spots of ADP or three. It's when it was when you're really like 10, 15, 16 picks. That's when you want to like, maybe just like respect it a little bit. You don't want to just oh. take a player so ahead because maybe he'll fall. Well, and it's full round, right? Like exactly. it's, there are a exactly. couple of these picks that to ADP are full round. I mean, Ayuk full round, Knox full round, just quite a few. Kincaid, wrong Bills tight end, not Knox. Uh, yeah, Kincaid, <laughs> uh, Jonathan Taylor, a full round ahead. Just a significant amount of players. Take uh, Alave uh, was a round ahead. So you're right. I think sometimes we do need to check in with ADP a little more. I'm not as much of a go and get your guy player as I used to be. Yeah. Uh, I've really changed that tone for me. And I do feel like that's kind of how it went with this. And I understand that it's not a mega high stakes type league. So it's understandable. But I, I do feel like there was a lot of pressing here. And for me, when I see a board like this, when you see a board where you can kind of clearly see, and this is just for general when you're doing startup drafts this year, when you can see a pattern of people pressing ADPs, yeah, and you see a couple of times where you know people are moving up, not even moving up, but taking players significantly ahead of ADP, that is where I am most comfortable just sitting back and letting the board do what the board needs to do. Because I've done that. I very much have had a... 90% expected draft pretty much all the way up until the 11th, 12th round. It kind of went how I thought it was going to go for myself, not for the player exactly, but when Andy says things like don't go in with like a plan, I agree, but I knew what I wanted to do. And if I got the opportunity to do it, I would, yeah. I got lucky in this draft where other drafts I've had to switch up very much. So Tom Lee, you want to talk about it. Let's talk about the elephant in the room. Yeah, so two are at the four. What are we at? Four nine, four ten, four nine, four nine. Um, I I thought it'd be funny to go and pitch the, to the guy before you that I would give him a late round pick to come up and move and take two because I wanted to Collusion. make a pick between Goff, Watson, and someone else as your QB one. Um, he didn't think it was as funny because he really wanted to get his guy, which is credit to him. Yeah, Axpacero, yeah. he's had a, a really good draft. I like his team. Uh, so stick to your guns. Don't go for the pun and for the content, even though it sucks. Because now I'm sitting here and I like Tua. At the, like we said before, we didn't like two in the third, two in the late fourth, pylon quarterback, young, good weapons. At least you've got a guy, you know, looking at Goff, Watson, young to come. Yeah. Eh, like I took one of those guys and like I'm, you know, yeah, there's a reason I want to do it. It was a full yeah. round after ADP pretty much. Yeah. So the value's there. And like it was the pick before or two picks before where I thought I could have got him. I wanted to move up. The process was there all round. But credit to Axpacera for sticking with it. How did you feel taking Tua as QB1? Because we'd only just had a conversation the week before about him. Right. So I knew I was kind of going for this kind of build. And for me, it was going to be either Tua or Goff because Watson was a no for me. Bryce Young was a no for me. Baker was a no for me. There, This was the bottom of the tier break, knowing that I wanted Tua over Goff. Now, some of that's narrative-driven. I do think Goff is going to lose his OC eventually. I do think he's playing absolutely out of his mind. But they're, he's younger, Tua is. 
He's got possibly one of the best play callers in the league as his head coach, not going anywhere. He's got unbelievable weapons around him, better than what I feel Detroit has. They both have their problems. I don't care if he's bad in bad weather in the playoffs for Tua. I don't care. Mm. That does not matter to me. So I, I'm okay with it, given that it was Drake London, who I kind of think is overdrafted right now, DK Metcalf, who, who's just a fine player. The rookie pick wasn't that enticing to me, and then it was just rinse and repeat afterwards. So for me, th- taking a guy like Tua around after ADP, even though it feels disgusting, is exactly on brand for this receiver running back tight end start in a super flex. I w- I'm totally okay with it because I'm not – I don't have – I how can I say this? I wasn't afraid of having any FOMO yeah. over the next six picks unless yeah. I missed out on one of the two quarterbacks. So for this, it just came down to my rankings and I had two above golf. Yeah. I knew both these quarterbacks were going to be gone if I didn't take one. So I was just taking one and I, I went with my ranks. I, f- I felt perfectly fine about it as much as I take a dump on Tua. But I mean, you're getting them again, a full round pretty much. After ADP, it's just a smash. Sometimes we don't have to make fantasy harder on ourselves. Like, am I sitting there like fist pumping because I got Tua? Yeah, Tua, fuck, we're in this league. No, (laughs) but like, I know I'm going to have the big blow up weeks that I need and he'll be consistent. He'll be a a back end QB one for the most part. Yeah. I mean, hopefully he gets that contract and I have a little bit of security. I feel like it's fine. Not great, but I feel like like him and Trevor Lawrence two rounds apart. I feel like I got a pretty similar setup here. Yeah. Yeah. So let's track into the fifth. So, I mean, I agree with that. Uh, the 107 went at, at 412. So we go into Goff, Higgins, Etienne, Rashi Rice, Tank Dell, Addison, the 108, HN, Pitts, Andrews, Deshaun Watson, and Zay Flowers in the fifth. This is an interesting round. So this is where I managed to trade back a lot of my value too, which meant a lot of pressure on me because I was picking with most of the round, four of the 12 picks. It's also an interesting round because you picked Rashi Rice ahead of Buck at the 5-6, which caused a fair bit of controversy uh, before the show. So I'll get you guys to talk about that first, and I'll talk a little bit more about the process of trading back to the fifth. So I absolutely would have taken T. Higgins, yeah, but you did your thing and you took T. Higgins. Thank you. So when I looked at the rest of this round, I didn't like any other pick in this round, mostly because I didn't need a tight end, or I would have taken Kyle Pitts. I didn't need a tight end or would have taken Mark Andrews, but I would rather have Rasheed Rice over Tank Dell, Addison, that rookie pick, tight ends that I didn't necessarily need. And it's not a matter of just drafting. Ah, don't draft for what you need. It's not about that. It's drafting two tight ends that early limits the rest of your, your position player accessibility. So I was going receiver if I couldn't, but I'd rather Rasheed Rice over as a flowers. I have that in my rankings would have rather have over Watson because I knew I was only taking one quarterback to this point in the draft. The only one that had me second guessing was Achan. And part of the reason I didn't go that way is because I didn't I don't want to take two running backs that early. I'm one running back early and then I'll fill in the blanks at the end is how I build my teams. And I felt like I had that opportunity still. So I felt really great with it. I came around I even gave I gave Andy his flowers on the Tuesday show, I accepted the fact that Rice had a very much Amon Ra, Amon Ra St. Brown-esque <laughs> mini Amon Ra St. Brown breakout second half. So I'm hoping I can hop onto that and and ride that out for 
next year, possibly get a boost. Just get a very solid wide receiver, too, who had a wide receiver one-esque season on the back half with Kansas City. My only concern is they bring in a, a wide receiver there, but at the end of the day, I feel like he just nestles in with the Devonta Smith, Jalen Waddle range of outcomes, and I'm getting that in the fifth round. So I was very comfortable with that. Andy, to his own detriment, kind of talked me into it without knowing it. <laughs> so any chance I got a chance to see him just lose his mind, call me corny, he got out everything he needed to get out like I was a therapist. Yeah. Uh, he's really hurt by this one. So I just on air want to apologize to my co-host for absolutely nuking his draft plans again. Uh, so I, I do apologize to that, but hashtag get better trade up. So <laughs> I, Russ, I just, Russ I hated. Yeah. I just didn't like this round fifth round. Yeah. Was, and I said this in our chat. I think this round, the fifth round was, is going to be this way in drafts. All startup for me. If I can, I want to use my fifth round. And this is not something I'm going to say often. <laughs> I want to use my fifth round startup pick to move up, up. Yeah. into the third round if I can. Yeah. Because the tier drop-offs at that point is so substantial. The fifth round is kind of a dead zone round to me. Yeah. So I very cover much think the sixth round better. Yeah, so Rice goes at 5-4, Tank Dell goes next to 5-5, five, five, and then Buck, you're stuck with 5-6. Stuck with Jordan Addison. So it's not a bad pick, but how did you feel once you saw Rice and Higgins gone off the board? Well, I, I knew I knew Rusty Rice wasn't going to make it, and I knew he was <laughs> going to go. So I kind of accepted it. I'm happy with Jordan Addison. You know, we talked about it. I like Jordan Addison. I knew at that point in the draft, I'm already behind on wide receiver. So I need to try to make it up, and I need to take uh, upside shots of receiver that have a chance to – you know, grow in value and a year, yeah. like a year two bet on a player I really like, a prospect I really like, I think is good. He was wide receiver 22 in this draft. I think it's a one or two spots uh, after his uh, position, positional ADP. And I think he was the tear break at wide receiver after that. Um, Cause I don't, I like him well, well over Zay Flowers. And then you're into the, like the older aging vets and that kind of pigeonholes me into a build. I don't want to be in taking a mm. digs or someone like that. So, the only other player I considered just like based off of just value, the player that I felt fell a lot was Achan. But taking him taking him after having Gibbs is I would never recover at receiver by doing that. Yeah. So I, I, I just couldn't do it. Took Addison. I'm happy with it. I think um he has a chance to maybe gain a, a rounder like a round and a half of ADP. He's a good player. So So Tom Lee, one question I didn't actually ask you. Why were you so comfortable taking DK Metcalf of a round above ADP? Um because I have him in that same tier. I just think he's a, a more dominant and more attractive player to, to watch personally. Uh, Tank, if I went through them, Rashi Rice, um, I fear a guy coming in and as much as he had an Amonra-esque season, um, I, he wasn't a player I loved coming in. Um, and there's a little bit of that sort of like pre-bias sitting there. Uh, it's not to say he won't pop. He's just one of those guys I'm happy to be wrong on if it goes that way. Sure. Uh, Tank Dell, I have a share of and... Is insanely fun to watch, but it was very heavy touchdown reliance. If he repeats it, I'll be wrong on that too. Addison's still stuck behind Jefferson. I'm not taking Zay Flowers. Like it's he was the next guy for me once London went the pick before, um, and I knew I'd come back just based on how uh, Kyle Drogo's draft started. He wouldn't be tapping again on a wide receiver like T Higgins because there's no real value to be added there. So I knew right. I'd get two of them. It was just a case of who do I take first. And I think T. Higgins is less of an attractive name with the guys yet to come to trade up for. So I backed myself in to get him on the next the next pickup. 
So I, I wanted to ask the Metcalf question because we talk about, oh, you need to be a little bit more in tune with what ADP is. Mm, However, taking value later, right? Yeah. Right. But this is a case where you're willing to see past the early offseason. This is a player fatigue situation where yeah. you're looking at this DK Metcalf upside as way more than the others at this point. So you're actually going and saying, I think ADP is just wrong. Yeah, I think Where people wanted Metcalf to be Tyreek Hill, and I think that frustration of him not being the dominant like um, Megatron-style wide receiver has pushed him down too far. Um, I think he's a fifth-round pick. It's as close to the fifth round as I was going to get because I have so much fifth round, and I wanted a, I wanted a good wide receiver that I, can, I think can get me weak winning ability with good floor most weeks. Right. This is the guy who's not that far off from 17 points per game. Yeah, so, and he was going to go – if you didn't take him, he was going to go somewhere in those three picks to someone yeah. else. So it's not like it was a big difference. And with those guys, like we talked about, they're all so similar that it's just kind of like pick your poison. The ADP matters with them, but they're all around, like right around there. Like eight picks, it's like ten of the – in ten picks, like eight of the receivers. But it's kind of whatever you want. I do think you're right in that it is just a little bit of fatigue and that ADP is just wrong on DK Metcalf. This is the guy who had 15.4 expected fantasy points per game. Off his biggest season in 2020 that really pushed him into that top six of dynasty wide receivers, he had 15.9 expected fantasy points per game. He still had that upper tier type season in that expected. And if you look at Ryan Heath's charts about uh, statistics that are sticky that carry over year over year based on the three-year sample size uh, of wide receivers that hit the hit the thresholds that we like, he's, he stands out because he hits those with his data. So I think you're right. I will agree with you on that. I think DK Metcalf was an absolute smash pick, a full yeah. round ahead, pretty much. So, just wanted so to point that out because we, yeah. we did talk about it, and yeah. I wanted to I wanted to mention the other side of that because we can't sit here and say you should draft one way or the other because this, this, and that, and then not point out the times where we do go against that. I think that's very important. Yeah, the times it can hurt is trading, like we said before, trading back. So I accumulated a second and a fifth for my first, which I was happy with. And then with that second, I then accumulated a third and a fifth. So all of a sudden, I'm four, I'm four picks up volume-wise in the fifth um, over everyone else who has one or maybe has, to this point, only four picks through five rounds. So I felt good until <laughs> we got here. And then you realize that with Bijan, I'm either taking HM, which I did, or I'm taking Carl Pitts at the 5'8". Um, I, I don't generally like tight end, but like you said this year, there's a lot of young appealing tight ends I couldn't really pick between Andrews and Pitts, so I thought, you know what, if I take HN, the, the running back that I want to take a shot on, if he is going to be different, is there, and then I'll take whoever I couldn't get the next the next time up. The one I wasn't sure on was Deshaun Watson. I tried hard to trade out of the 5-11 and move back so someone else could come up and pick someone, um, but the man still guaranteed a lot of money. He This year was essentially a wash. If there's anything left in Deshaun Watson at all at the 5-11, I'll be the guy to find out. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think the players just like dropped off a cliff right after that. So I don't, I I, I think the pick makes a lot of sense because the next quarterback to go is Bryce Young, and yeah, I mean, we, we don't know about him, but just the like the position players just drop off a cliff. You're all like at that point, it's just well, Pickens is there, like that's a polar bear in Arlington, Texas. He probably shouldn't <laughs> be there, 
but then it just goes to Stefan Diggs and more like more contending type pieces. And just yeah. no one, no one in that sixth round, honestly, besides maybe TJ Hawkinson's like a fun click there. So I yeah. say, say Flowers was in consideration just because of his boom games, but rather than wait for Smith, Cousins, Jones, mm-hmm. Rogers later in the draft, knowing that people needed quarterbacks, I thought I'd better lock it up. So there's there's also there's also like Zay Flowers legal trouble. Why would that <laughs> well it's the NFL. So I mean like most <laughs> of these speaks have legal trouble. Um, so we'll think, head into the sixth. Yeah, sorry. Well I, I just want to point out like let's from from this point on, because we're at an hour and yeah. I don't want to have another hour and a half long pod. Ooh. I think that people don't want that. From this point on, let's do uh, what surprises us, and then let's do some theory instead of necessarily just breaking it down by round. Yeah. And I'm going to kick this off where if you were to be able to look at our draft board, there is this weird running back kind of uh, pattern <laughs> that starts to form in the, in the form of steps. I can tell you that I've never before seen a grouping of running backs for one half of a draft board. <laughs> one half of the draft board starting at bucket one seven drafted one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen running backs from rounds ten to thirteen. And the other side drafted three. That is a night and day difference. So I want to start with the running backs that got drafted late and why I actually love them. Yeah. Because dead zone running back has never been more apparent to me than ever. Now, granted, dead zone is, uh, from what we understand, typically from round five to seven. I think that there were some absolute smashes, but they all have question marks. ETN put up the best year that he had, limited in the past game, was hurt, and the offense still looked like shit. So it was one of those things where he actually ended up becoming a volume merchant, which is not what people expected out of ETN that puts him in a category with so many other running backs. Then you have HN who has questions. Mostert is back, how he got used at the end of the year, injured. Walker, we know what Walker is. He's the same kind of guy that can run 10 yards to gain three, looks really good on tape, super inefficient, touchdown magnet, doesn't get the opportunity to catch the ball as much as we'd like him to, and Charbonnet, did look good for the one or two games that he got to carry the load. Javante Williams. Yeah, possibly possibly a better example of, sorry, of a good NFL player versus a good fantasy player. Right. We we think what we want from Walker is not what we're going to get. Javante Williams in the seventh. I've talked about how I feel about that pick for a while. Jacobs in the seventh has a chance to pay off. Pacheco in the, I believe in his last year of his rookie deal, seventh round pick. We know how teams treat running backs. Tajay Spears is fine. I actually really like that pick by Drogo, but again, we're hoping that the upside kicks in. Barkley needs to sign somewhere. James Cook, I think, is a fine pick for value. I believe that's after ADP. I think I think that's a fine pick, but you get into the running backs that went, like I said, those 14. Brian Robinson in the 10th was a smash pick. Mm. Ramondre Stevenson, which I got sniped on at 10-11, smash. Drogo, Aaron Jones, 10th round, smash. James Conner, very much a Tom Lee pick. Didn't love this one as much because I'll forever doubt James Conner. It's got to fall off eventually. Warren was fine. 
I didn't want to take Joe Mixon, but somebody named Tom Lee took Ramondre Stevenson. I ended up taking Mixon as my RB2 in round 11, and I feel like his range of outcomes on Cincinnati, this is hoping he's in Cincinnati, is similar enough to a guy like ETN or what we think Pacheco is going to be, and we're talking five rounds later. Guys like Henry and Eckler and Chubb, um, Hubbard, Chase Brown, Mostert, after his 20-touchdown season goes in the 12th round. I think the the 10th to 14th round is an absolute dynamite smash time of the year for running backs right now. Maybe more than other years. Eckler was a high, way higher pick last year. Henry was going a couple rounds higher. Stevenson was going higher. Pollard, we didn't even talk about him being a ninth round pick. It was a fifth round pick last year. So yeah. much value has dropped in running backs I think that's why it felt like receiver was so weird in the early portion of this draft. There was a lot of wide receiver boys within this draft, and it forced them up the draft board. And it really, the value for running backs has fallen this year. If I was to look at anything on a board right now, that's what stands out to me the most. And then it becomes quarterback. There is almost no value in wide receiver this late in a draft board from what I have seen from the other listener league drafts as well, wide receiver value is gone. If you miss out early out the window. Yeah, yeah I agree. I agree. The running backs, they really fell in here. And like, I wish I had some picks in between there because I like a lot. Of, I like a lot of those running backs. I think they're great bets. there. like Ramondre. Ramondre, like you said, just a fifth round pick and he's all the way down here, pretty much in the 11th. And it's easier to click those players with the uh, running back with the running back draft coming in with the class just not that great. So a lot of the dudes are going to hold value, and then if you compare them to the wide receivers going, it's like with like with Najee and opposed to like Najee and Dotson, like you'd rather just have the running back there because it's going to give you more value in season to trade him away. He's going to score more, and he doesn't. He's not going to like go to dust as someone like Dotson, who had a really poor, you know, really poor second season, and is in a bucket that we don't necessarily want to draft right now. So I think that's where uh, you start to force the receivers, and I think the running backs are the best picks for sure. I agree. Yeah, I think it's interesting because p- people don't, in a startup this early on, like to take players who will die on their roster, right? It's not good process, especially early. But they've got to go somewhere. And if they're fading this late, um, you know, 10th through 14th round, guys who could be the starting running back for, if not the team they're currently on, wherever they sign, let alone if they get a three-year deal, where they get, if you get two years of functionality from any of these guys, yeah. you'll be absolutely thrilled. Because the rest of your draft should almost be done by this point, right? The staples yeah. of your team, the structure should be built. These are just all about cherry on top. You know, I- add value to the team, add weak winning upside. Um yeah, it's just insane. I, I think because it gets to a point where, like, it's cute to fade the running backs. Like, it's cool to be the zero RB, bro, which I am. Like, I don't like running backs. But it gets to the point with the Najee, the Brian Robinson, those type of players, you might as well just draft them in the 10th because you're not getting – you're not buying them in season for a 10th-round pick for what they go no. in, the t- in the startup in 10th. You're not getting them. You'll be yeah. trying to talk to get – you'll be a zero RB team trying to get Najee looking at two second-round picks and, like, a decent low wide receiver you like. You might as well just draft them. That's why it's like it's 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 cute to fade them, but it kind of gets to a point where you might as well just draft them because you're gonna have to buy them anyway, and you're not gonna be able to buy them for what they're going for in the startup. It's kind of like what we used to say with quarterbacks. It was like a, a saying back like when I kind of started Dynasty. It was like the cheapest way to get a quarterback is in the startup. I yep. think we're kind of at that with running back now, 
where it's yeah. they're just cheaper to buy in the startup because you're not gonna get you're not gonna get Brian Robinson or Eckler, even like an Eckler. Like if he goes around the two ten, you send the two ten for Eckler, you're probably just not getting him. Yeah. So I think it's I think you were at the point where it's like it's cheaper to draft them than buy them in season at this point. Yeah, it's I used to make a joke about how if you needed a quarterback in a super flex league, you might as well have had a sign on your forehead stapled that says kick me. Yeah. Because everyone knows you need it and you're getting charged for it. You are bang on with the running back comments. Cause it is either the top tier guys or every you weren't buying Rashad White for anything less than a one plus. ETN was going for one plus, sometimes two in the year. James Cook, you're getting him in the seventh round. Well, He's going for, you know, a mid to late one plus. So you're absolutely right. And I also want to cycle this back before we start doing our favorite builds and our not favorite builds and getting out of here. Circle this back to the roster cloggers portion of the show. Because we're talking about, oh, well, a roster clogger was someone that can accrue value. Correct. These running backs, not really gaining value. The guys like Zamir White, who I wrote up in my article that you can go and read for free at fantasypoints.com, three undervalued veterans that you can that will help you win in your startup drafts. You can go listen, uh, listen to that. Uh, read that. It's my first article that I've written in three years. Very happy. It was a big milestone moment for me. So shout out to everyone that helped me get there. But the guys like Chase Brown, even Chuba Hubbard, Ty Chandler, who got the news immediately after he was drafted. Shout out Ryan. That tilted me out of my mind. Kendra Miller. Some of these guys can accrue value. Like Charbonnet, who we didn't mention because it wasn't in our end, but in the 12th round is a great pick phenomenal pick there. Uh, Nick Chubb could maybe come back and play some football. We don't know. Eckler could sign Henry. Like these guys, even though they're not accruing value, they are useful, which is what makes them not a roster clogger. They could be a dynasty clogger, which is just an old guy on a dynasty team, which generally signals bad time, but they're not roster cloggers. Roster cloggers would be like, Cortland Sutton being the seventh wide receiver, eighth wide receiver for a team that has like one running back, two running backs, right? That's a roster clogger to me. Mike Williams, Elijah Moore, we said all that. They're going in the same rounds as these running backs that do still have the potential of 12 plus points per game. That's important. That is, that is if we were to put it in a box and give it to you as an answer for what we feel a roster clogger is, that's it. This draft board's it. So, yeah. What uh, let's let's jump to? Well, I mean, I think we just got to do it. Let's let's talk about our least favorite and our favorite uh, builds and strategies. All right, do we want to go favorite or least favorite first? Let's get the harsh out of the way. Let's go least favorite. Okay, I'll, I'll start. <laughs> I think my least my 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 least favorite build is the what I like to call the player list build, and that is the one ten and. I get it, right? You take uh, Caleb Williams or possibly Caleb Williams at the 110 is the rookie 101. And then I think you just kind of forced it a little too much here. You would take the 102, 101 and 102, and I think that's like fine. Not something I would do, It's but it's okay. But then it just gets to be where it's just it's just way too forced. And it's not a team that is going to be like it's, – it's going to be a really hard hold to dig yourself out of, I think, in the next few years because now – not only do you have no real players, you have picks that you drafted before everyone else, meaning you value the picks higher than everyone else. So what you're going to do is probably like chasing your own tail when you put them on the block and you're just going to have to trade them for players you pick the pick over. So I don't really like understand that part of it. 
And it's just the team you're now you're betting on the rookies have to also hit and be good. So if they don't, you're already set back a couple of years with this build, just to be real. If the if the players don't hit, you're set back even further, and then you have no future things to trade because the players you picked were picks that you drafted and didn't hit. So I think this team's just in a in a rough spot. Just because I think you force a, a little too much. I think the 101 and the 102, I think it's okay. I think you just force them. I mean, your first real player was Jaden Reed in the sixth round. It's the first actual player on the team. I think it's just a little too much, a little too extra, and just something that it's like that's like a buy-in burner team to me. It's like that's like that's kind of where it is. So that's that's my thoughts on that. But I don't mean to be too mean. I mean, I got JSN, so I feel you. And anything can happen, right? Like that. This is dynasty. It's the off season, so you never really know. But yeah. Yeah, I think I think like my last thing about it is I think you're also buying them at a premium too. So it's like you're not getting them at like you look back in three years like oh man I got Caleb and Marvin in the startups. Like I mean you, you drafted them as a QB one, the QB one in the top seven six or whatever six wide, dynasty wide receiver. So you just have like you're just assuming all the risk kind of for like no reason to me. It's like you're just taking on all the risk. It just gets – it's just a scary build, but it's not a it, – it could work out, and, you know, we'll see. So that is also my least favorite oh, – it's actually – it's not my least favorite build, but it's my second least favorite build uh, that we're going to talk about. And I think you're right. I get it. You want two – the two top quarterbacks in the draft, the two top wide receivers. So in your mind, you're looking at – and then let's say you go Bowers, right? You're like, awesome. I'm going to have five top two – round startup picks next year. This is going to be so sick, except you're already drafting four of those picks at their ceiling. What neighbors and Marvin would have to do to exceed where it is. You're taking them is insane. So I don't like taking these guys at their highest value before they step on the field. You can call me an old head that I don't think ahead, whatever you want to do. But in the range of outcomes, Marvin Harrison coming out and dumping 17 points per game is so unlikely. I understand that we have been spoiled. Not saying that it is impossible. We have been spoiled by first-round wide receivers. Marvin Harrison looks absolutely dope. So does Neighbors. But in terms of range of outcome, yeah, you're drafting them at their peak, which is why I don't like it. And, and again, if you were going to commit to the bit, I would just commit to the bit. I would be trying to trade up then. And just getting as many of those first rounders as I could. Now you did trade up. You traded up for what I believe was the 104. So shout out to you for for getting that done. I would have just kept doing it because at that point you want the top eight picks in the draft. Taking a guy like Jaden Reed, who's who's fine, and then your your tight end was Jake Ferguson. I, I mean, are you gonna draft Bowers or no? That's my question. So then why draft Ferguson? So it there's just there's just a lot of questions there to me. Yeah. I think the running backs you got were a great value. Brian Robinson in the 10th, I shouted that out. Warren, I think, will be a fine mid-play RB2. I, like I think Kendra. that's fine. Kendra in the 13th, I think that was great. And you, and you made the right trade-outs. You traded out so uh, someone could get Kelsey. You traded out so somebody could get London and Etienne, who I think are two players that are overdrafted. The movement that you made within the draft was awesome. I just agree. I think you are pigeonholed. I think you need quite a few things to go right. It's why I feel like when you tear down or when we say tear down, it gets to a point where tearing down is a detriment to your team. Cause yeah. you still need those elite pillars 
to still go in. So even if everything goes right and the top four picks absolutely smash for you, you still have so much to work, so much work to do in the aggregate. And then your team's not bad enough to be top three in 2025. So you're automatically putting yourself like Buck said is kind of in a tweener productive struggle type build. And that to me is why, but your movement on the board I thought was phenomenal. Yeah. For me, I think if you're going to do that sort of process, like, like Tom said, you could, you could commit to the bit and and try to keep getting these guys or take people who are worth multiple firsts and look to acquire them in the off season. If you're going to go productive struggle, you want as many 25 firsts as possible. So given how resistant everyone was to move these picks in the draft, it's going to take something pretty special to forge them out outside of the draft. Yeah. Right? Let alone two from one team. So, you know, passing on a guy like Puka, uh, sorry, not passing on a guy like Puka, uh, passing on a guy like uh, Love or like a required player um, works, but trading up to do it kind of hurts you because you kind of lose out on the opportunity to grab someone who could net better trade value out of it. So it's, it's more for me, like you guys said, it's the unknown. It's not my least favorite. We'll get to that in a sec. But Anything that leaves you with unknowns after a draft or work to do is fine, but you've got to be willing and capable of doing the work within the context of the league you've got provided, which can be really tough sometimes. You know, like I talked about how my strategy tends to build around lots of volume. If no one wants to trade, you're kind of stuck. You've got to hope these guys hit their ceilings. Uh, otherwise, I'm going to finish fourth for, you know, 20 years to come uh, and yeah. they look to rebuild the same way. So there are there are drawbacks to every strategy. It's, just, it's why it's really hard to say what teams you do and don't like. Um, but I agree with the boys on that. It's just it leaves you in a, a pigeonhole position to try and force something to happen. And you can't really trade these picks now because no one else has multiple young assets to want to give up to go and get them. So um, if this was in season and you wanted to do this, you know, from a few years out, it could work absolutely fine. It's just tough in the startup to see it happen. Yeah, I think the last thing I'll say about it, I think it's a little ironic if you look at like he took the one like the 110, which is presumably Caleb Williams. And at the two five is Trevor Lawrence. So like that was what we were doing two years ago when Trevor Lawrence was coming out. We were taking him as the you know the kicker, the one hundred one and the one eight. And same thing with Garrett Wilson. Like those are like similar prospects. These two players, and we see back in in three years now, yeah, they're in the second round. So you there's not even in the first round anymore. I don't know if that's making sense. What I want to say, but you're taking those prospects are similar. I mean, Trevor Lawrence arguably probably a better prospect, honestly, than Caleb Williams. I mean, at least by like NFL standards, and you know, one of the most high prospects, and Sandra Luck probably the most. And he's no longer in the first round. So it's like you're just it's just there's no you're not leaving yourself any room. Like you're only leaving yourself room to the players losing value because they yeah. really can't go up. So I think that's kind of where it is. But yeah, we could uh, yeah. move on to the our favorite, or, or if you have something else. <laughs> now, Tom and I had this exact conversation a few years ago when um, Lamar Jackson kept falling to the early second. People moving up to take the rookie 101, which I think at the time was, um, was Trevor Lawrence. You're hoping he hits the upside, which you already have at your second pick, which was Lamar Jackson. Like that was the best case scenario. And in the long run, it didn't happen. So like you say, it could absolutely hit but where you pick them like that is that is the yeah. ceiling so that's the hard the hard bit with it the other roster we probably don't like as much is for the same reason if you leave yourself prone to one injury collapses the build or you leave yourself nowhere else to pivot to because you go and pick is building to win now with no backup plan in place and mo- and trading up to do so so um at the, at the 105 lamar jackson christian mccaffrey Kyron williams tariq hill Great start. Travis Kelsey, a tight end one. Rashad White as a flex, fantastic. 
The problem is if you trade up to do this, you leave yourself with Jacoby Myers as your wide receiver two, Tyler Lockett, wide receiver three, Evan Ingram in a flex, DeAndre Hopkins in a flex, Baker as your QB two, and on the bench, only two players in Raheem Mostert and Gabe Davis. And we're in the end of the we're in the start of the 15th, heading the 16th round. So like there's not really many like, startable players or picks now that are available for you to pick. These guys have to hit and not get injured, and you want to win two or three times or be able to pivot out if someone gets hurt. The problem with the McCaffrey right. pick, like we said earlier, is if McCaffrey gets hurt, you cannot trade him for value. Like if Bijan gets a hurt, loss. Yeah, Bijan gets hurt, if Jameer Gibbs get hurt, there's heaps of insurance to those guys that you could trade for players worth a third or a fourth starting pick because of the hype and what they can do for your team. Taking McCaffrey in the second limits the upside on that because there is no insurance, but there's no backup plan. Kyron yeah. Williams was fantastic this year. I was wrong on Kyron Williams. But like he, he is a volume play. If that changes at all because they want another person in there, that upside's cap two. And then people right. who didn't like him beforehand don't want Kyron Williams. So you know I get it. Tari Hill's I, got two years left. Travis Kelsey's think Kyron, got two years left. Like yeah. Yeah. I, I think Kyron Williams is a smash RB one this year again. It's yeah. after that, is he? There's not a lot of protection there. I like Rashad White. We talked about historically speaking, uh, regression is going to hit him. I mean, the I use the quotes from the fantasy footballers on that point. So shout out to them. But he, he was the sixth round pick, which I think is fine. The problem is, is you've moved up a couple of times to take Travis Kelsey, who some people swore he was retiring this year. A lot of humming and hawing about his in season and how they used him. So he had stretches that still managed to disappoint, and you got him in the seventh. So it's not like there's a lot of risk there either. And then same with Tyree Kill. One thing uh, Nori, is the player, didn't do was take the older players at positions that really stood out above their ADP. Yeah. But yet still found a way to pay crucial three, five, seven, and ninth round picks are crucial to your build. And like you said, there is no place to pivot. And now you are hoping that these wide receiver threes and fours make it that Evan Ingram continues to carry his unbelievable target rate in that offense. Guys like uh, Jacoby Mid Myers, uh, who went above ADP, can really blossom finally into maybe even being a wide receiver too. And Tyler Lockett at his age continuing, and Hopkins not falling off of a cliff. You've just backed yourself into a build that even if you halfway through the year or if you don't trade into these players this year, like if you don't trade McCaffrey, Hill, Rashad White for sure, in this season, you have to be under the understanding that you're either trading them for a penny on a dollar or they die on your roster. And it's really hard to rebuild from this out of the gate. So I have no doubt in your managerial ability. This is just my least favorite methodology of building because you can build for the future and still compete, which I will talk about with my build uh, when we get there. So those are the two least favorite. Let's talk about our favorites. Yeah. Favorite non-us builds, I should say, and why. For I'll me, start it's... Oh, we'll start with Tom Lee. Okay, sorry. Yeah, for me, it's uh, Axe Becerra. Um I was going to say a few others, but they're technically company company men. Um, Richardson, Etienne, Henry, Pittman, London, Tank Dell. You've got a mix of good young guys, old guys you can score. You've got some picks that are values as far as running backs go. It doesn't stand out as like, oh, my God, this is going to win right now or it's going to win in the future. It just has lots of flexibility on it. Uh, and you've got a few rookie picks in there too, which you could always hit on. I'm a fan of that. 
haven't lost much in the way of uh, what I call like the cadence of the draft. So you got three on the bench uh, plus four because a kicker. So, you know, you're one behind the pace as far as picks go and you're yet to pick in this round. So you're still on track as far as cadence goes in the draft. You've got a nice mix of everything. It could absolutely fall to shit or it could be completely brilliant. I like a draft like that because it gives you, it gives you hope. It gives you backup plans. It just is a nice spot to sit, especially if you like the guys where you got them. Um, we said before Richardson may have been a forced pick. He could mm-hmm. absolutely boom and be, you know, a top five pick next year. So I understand yeah. upside. There's also floor. So that's what I like. It's just it's not really a huge standout, but it's just when I'm thinking, you know what, this has got a, a fair bit of option and opportunity to it. I quite like that build. This definitely feels like a tweener draft to me. Yeah. Because there it's a mix of vets and hopeful wide receiver ones with running backs that could absolutely fall off the table. ETN could fall off the table. He'll be a second contract back in no time. And then you have Henry Eckler and Ford, some some plotters and hopefuls at the bottom, which I think is fine to stack your bench with as long as you have the core set. The pick is a good spot for that in between where the players got taken. Uh, I think you could have waited and not have jumped in on George Kittle, who, again, there's just a, a balance of – this is actually one of my least favorite from uh, Bacara, who I have seen absolutely dominate drafts. I feel like this is just how the draft fell, this one. Yep. But this is not my favorite kind of build, so I'll say not my favorite. But I think that this is a team that could either finish fourth – or a team that could finish eighth and no one would be surprised. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean you can't make moves after. I'll say my favorite draft is Drogo, if we can't use our own. Yep. Uh, Drogo's draft to me, I mean, I, I talked about it. The start with the the wide receivers uh, just to me automatically win. And then you've got pick 107 and 110. 107's in that uh, like top eight sweet spot. You stacked yourself up. You did the same thing I did with quarterback with Goff. I like that. You got Stafford as a QB2 a little early in my opinion, but I have no problem with that with who went off the board. And then Aaron Jones, Goddard, Schultz, and then you took a shot with Keaton Mitchell. This is just a really solid, you have a ton of different options, can compete. Those three wide receivers can carry you. I love this draft. Love this draft. I mean, Spears in there as well for a minimal move up. Yeah, I mean, Pollard with Kamara, they could end up being exactly the same this year. Spears could absolutely break out. I love this draft. This set up wide receiver, wide receiver, wide receiver, draft pick, quarterback, draft pick, smart running back, QB2. Like It just, this is a very nice draft. I really, I really like this from the 112. Yeah, I like it as well. I I think so, I think it's went a little heavy on some of like the dusty the dusty running backs, but I do think it's a good structure build. I think when we get to player takes and stuff, like we're not here to give you a bunch of player takes and all that. Like I'm I'm a structure guy. Like I like I like structured drafts. Like I think you could win with structure, right? We're not here to get every single player take right or have a bunch of player takes. You can win just by drafting structurally well. And I like the 103 team, Maddie. I think he did really well. I think his structure is, is really good. Not don't necessarily agree with like some of the players, right? Like with the pickins at the six three, but I think like I think it was right to take a receiver there. I think like the build is structurally great. It has two two uh, it's bookend with two great quarterbacks, one super stud quarterback, a, a, a hero running back, um, a, a hero receiver, and then 
I just think it's structurally it's structurally well, and you could go far with that team just based on the structure. You're not like there's not like a bunch of receivers. It's not like as or, or a bunch of running backs. It's not like as is prone to injury. It's just it's a good structurally built team. Just different, just a couple player take differences. But I think that's probably like my favorite. Just just build. Uh, I think not necessarily going into some of the player takes, but I like that, and I also like the uh, the triple wide receiver team uh, at the one twelve yeah. as well. No, for, uh, yeah, it's it's a it's another really good draft. Same thing, player takes are are what they are they can be subjective so i think you're right let, let's talk company men the best company man draft right now and just remember i push all the freaking buttons i was gonna say how biased can you be um no i, well, I, I mean let me put you this way are you are you happy with your own draft because i'm happy with my draft i think there's a bit of there's a bit of work to be done once we get near the season because a few of these guys may be worth absolutely nothing uh, once the nfl draft's done um but I, I'm hoping that I've left myself enough wiggle room to trade into a competing spot with a, an eye on the future would be how I'd summarize mine. Yeah, I, I adore my draft. It, it From step by step, this feels like a perfectly executed plan. I did not take a single draft pick, and no part of that bothers me. Yeah. So to have a draft like that where I wasn't feeling pressed that, oh, man, I really should get into this, I didn't move until the Sam Howell pick which is a purely hoping if he gets traded to another team and gets to start sweet QB four with maybe a little something, something in the 14th round. I don't feel like I took any risks. I didn't have to every single yeah. one of these players are no risk. Laporta hall, Jefferson, no risk Tua, no risk this year. Uh, Rasheed rice, no risk sophomore going into his sophomore year wide receiver. We love it. Debo. We know what Debo is going to be 28 year old. 13 to 18 points in any given week, sometimes 30. Love that for my third wide receiver. Mike Evans, not a player I ever pick. He's probably my most concerning player, but you stole Adams from me the morning my article got released, so thanks for that. You're a dick. Uh, Geno Smith, as I wrote about, man of my word, took him in the ninth, happy with that. Very surprised Rodgers came all the way back. So that's a pick that kind of fell into my lap. I'd rather have Rodgers than Ramondre. And then it was it was just the running backs. I took my favorite running backs late, and now I'm stacking up with some wide receivers like Douglas for as as my wide receiver five. All potential. Got a right mix of veterans. I feel like this team is is a top three out the gate, which is not like me. I'm usually very much a uh, productive struggle trade down no matter what type guy. But this is a plan executed. There are a couple different decisions that I would have liked to have made, but. I, I yeah, my draft to me is exactly what I wanted to execute. Yeah, I, I like I like your team. I don't like some of the players on the team. Oh, <laughs> don't even come at me about Chase Brown right now. Like I'll, we'll be here for another hour. I think the, I, I think the team is cool. It's not it's not a build I would like. I wouldn't build a team like that, and that doesn't mean it's you know that doesn't mean it's bad. Because um, I would probably just get a little too scared to build to build a team like that with with the quarterbacks, but I think you got like a great, a great, it felt Tua fell to you perfectly. Like that major yeah. draft to me. I think if Tua doesn't fall, I think it's a little scary. Cause then you have to like yeah. for, force a golf there. <laughs> so I think, it I made think his it's draft. I, 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 I think it did. And I'm not like shitting yeah. out. Of, I, no, I agree. I, I, yeah, it was, I, it was I, a crucial think, pick. Yeah. Yeah, I think it did. Cause then that's where you're getting like, that's where you have to force. I hate what the teams that do what you did. And they have to force the middle QB picks, right? Where they're taking yeah. like 
Cousins and well, when Cousins used to be like a six round pick, like going yeah. Goff Cousins or Daniel Jones Cousins. I hate those type of builds, and I think you're on your way to that, but you didn't. And I think the the build turned out perfectly like that. I was that sweating. Way, yeah, so I, I think so. It's like me personally, I would have like I would have drafted Jordan Love in the third round, and I would have pushed the build. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't have pushed it further. That that's just how I would have built it because I would have got like a little, a little nervous. And I obviously like we disagree, not disagree, but I think Jordan Love is a little more valuable, like than what he went in there. So I probably would have took him, and then I would have been a little pissed when Tua made it back to the fourth. So it's <laughs> it's kind of like a it's kind of like a hindsight thing. I think. Uh, you know, waiting as long as you did definitely did pay off, but it was oh. very close. It was de- very close to not paying off. But I would say, uh, I would say I do like Ryan's team, Ryan Heath's team. I think uh, he's a he's a great team, bookend by two quarterbacks, has two great receivers. Got a little lucky, like the board kind of fell to him perfectly. He he definitely executed on his picks, but it just fell to him perfectly. Getting Waddle, you know, getting Garrett Wilson falling a little past where he usually goes, and then. I think the running backs he got at the end, I don't know if necessarily like should have drafted the three of them, but I think like to start off not picking a running back in seven rounds and still end up with Jacob Swift and Najee Harris, I think that's really good. All the three of those guys project to at least be like high volume guys next year. They're all not not all three. Two of them are free agents. So it seems like Swift probably gonna just end up back on some small deal in Philly and then we'll see what happens with Jacobs. But yeah, I, I like that build as well. Can can now can I just Worst pick of the draft before we yep. get out of here. We're, I broke the rule. We're at a we're at an hour and <laughs> hour and a half, so we broke the rule already. So I just want to go worst pick of the draft. Go ahead. What, what's my pick? It's my pick. Yep. <laughs> go ahead. Uh, I think I think the worst pick in this entire draft is Jameson Williams at seven twelve. Oh. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> yeah, it just look. I understand people love them some JMO. Jamo wide receiver two on your team scares the ever living crap out of me. And he shouldn't be a single digit startup pick. Like we know what he is. You might get five touches in a game and that's like a breakout. Um, I just, I, I can't with the guy. He's a two year flop. Say what you want about the rookie year. He flopped this year, period. Uh, a, couple, a couple, a couple end arounds and uh, you know, drag routes that, that he takes. He's super fast. But he's just so replaceable in his fantasy production. I've let go a long time ago. I, I don't think he should be drafted in the in the top ten rounds. So that to me is, I mean, Pickens at six three is real close, real close. But set yeah. seven twelve JMO for me is no bueno. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. I think the that where he picked Jamison Williams I agree it's terrible but that round of players was so tough to draft in like that was such an ugly round those players all dropped off it was it was a ter- it was a terrible round there's not a lot of like uh, there's no value fell pretty much like after that mm-hmm. after after those little like middle round running backs in the 7th nothing fell but I would agree I think the Pickens pick is probably the uh the worst pick just cuz I I just don't think he's a great player I think he's really really good at one thing and he's he does one oh, thing well pass interference and he's really good at it. We'll see what happens with the quarterback. He's not he's not necessarily like a high target earning player. And he's also a player that has a weird vibe with him with how uh the team likes him. We've never seen a player be productive like he has. I mean, he's been a productive pick for them through two seasons. 
And we never seen a productive player like that possibly get traded before their third season because of uh, you know, whatever he has going on with Tomlin and the rest of the team. So I don't I don't really like uh his uh his future the way I don't think it predicts really well. And he we were drafting him at what we were drafting at him last year going into his second season, and he didn't do any better, and now we're drafting him at the same spot. I don't think that makes sense. Yeah, you he should have drafted fell, like, you could have drafted Christian Kirk there and have been like, All right, I'm good. Yeah, he should have fell closer to Christian Watson, like a guy who yeah. failed in the second year and but yeah, I, I agree with you guys. Anything you got to me? Uh, for me, it's probably the 104 going at 3.5 just because of how the trade-up worked. Um, mm. Like you said, if you're going to go in, at least you did it. I just, It's just for me the value of you could have picked Jordan Love and doing the same thing. Um, mm. And I think it's just a more valuable piece. Um, the other part is Jaden Reed at 6.10. Is We, we mentioned it last week, probably before last. Um, I'm just not a fan of Jaden Reed in that round. Um, set, set yourself up better beforehand. You don't have to take him. <laughs> um, and I got Devonte Adams to pick after. So for me, that's that stands out of. It's the best pick because it led me to Devonte Adams. But um, I think process wise, it's like man, I, it just feels like you're stuck pigeonholed picking stuff up. You know, pick uh, tr- pick Travis Kelsey and trade him away. Pick something else and trade them away. Um, for me, just more value at that at that spot. Yep, I agree. I agree. A lot, a lot of interesting things in this draft. I'll say that this board, I have sent this board to Brett Whitefield. I've sent this board to Scott Barrett. I have sent this board to uh, to Trey uh, Camberling. I've sent this trade to Paul Patterson, who we've had on the show. All of them have said the same thing. What a weird board. Yep. This has been a truly unique draft and a lot of fun. I cannot wait to see what happens with everyone else's, let's get some final thoughts and get out of here for another hour and 40 minute long podcast. Yeah, we knew it was coming. <laughs> if we would have just done the draft, we would have been fine, but we, we need to cover it. off the people. This is, yeah, yeah, we, we owed it to the listeners to, to get the roster cloggers in there. Yeah. Well, we didn't get a fun fact at the start, so I'll save that for next time, but I want to reintroduce, I mean, this is a new audience for me in particular. Uh, one of our favorite Aussie vernacular words is uh, the speedo the yes. uh, the summertime yes. beach worn uh, y front shaped uh, piece of attire um we have many words in australia for this piece of clothing uh, speedo definitely still works if you if you're not sure where to pick one up you can say speedo our personal favorite is budgie smuggler um, <laughs> <laughs> budgie smuggler uh dick togs dick stickers um banana hammocks you pick and choose what you want to do over here but um yeah, the budgie smuggler reigns supreme as far as the uh, the Aussie vernacular. So that'll be making its well-returned comeback this year. But in the meantime, as you guys head into spring, pick yourself up a set of budgie smugglers. Can't do yourself any. Uh, I tried for three years to get budgie smugglers to respond to an email. And I fully plan to use everything in my power with the Fantasy Points brand and following to reach it's out happening. to them again to sponsor this show. So we can get Tom Lee, his custom fantasy points budgie smuggler for the show thumbnail. I'm trying my hardest. I'm going to start it up again. I cannot wait for this year's budgie smuggler of the week. You guys are going to love it. Andy, final thoughts? My final thoughts. Are, did you say dick stickers? Dick stickers is crazy. That's my Dick stickers. Yeah. <laughs> dick stickers. Your DTs, your dick stickers. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. That's my last thought. <laughs> I love this show, man. Uh, what I like about this program, from my final thought, is that it's different from the Tuesday night show. 
And now that it's the time of year where you can get multiple sets of dynasty content from fantasy points, it's important to let us know what you are missing and what you need. And between the two shows, we can get that covered. Obviously the Tuesday night dynasty point is going to have a ton of rookie content. That is where you're going to get the bulk of your scouting combine. That is where you're going to get your rookie draft uh, setups. Market report will still remain just that we are going to break down trades, drafts, startup theory throughout the off season, maybe into the season. And we're not sure yet, but we love this show. We love the feedback. You guys have all been great. It's been more than worth it. We love you all. Hopefully you, you got something out of that draft talk. We promised you guys we would get some content out of it. So we did that much love to you. Remember it's not personal. Okay. That's very important. We always talk about how it's important to remember that there are other people on the side of the phones. We are fully aware of that. We love all y'all. We can't wait for you guys to prove us wrong at the end of the day. And I can't wait for my team to finish last unironically. <laughs> that's just what's going to happen. So for myself, for Tom Lee, for Andy, thank you for tuning in. Hit that subscribe button. Leave us a comment. Let us know you love us. And remember that clear eyes and full hearts can never lose in your best days. Throw a spend tilting. Good night, everybody.